Kia ora and welcome to this episode of the Stag Roar. This episode is brought to you by our mates at Modern Pirate, 100% carbon neutral. Modern Pirate makes an amazing range of men's grooming products. And if you're one of our Aussie listeners, then you've probably seen them in your quality barber shop. I've used the pomade in their matte clay paste to style what hair I have left. And their charcoal soap is the business. You can get 10% off every order by simply entering the code STAGROAR at checkout. That's lowercase S-T-A-G-R-O-A-R. Look good and support yet another quality Kiwi export that the Aussies are sure to claim as their own. Check them out at modernpirate.com.au. That code again is STAGROAR. Good day and welcome to episode 160 of the STAGROAR. This episode I'm joined by Ryan Nicholson, otherwise known as Equilibrium Environment, on Instagram and on the webs, equilibriumenvironment.com is where you can find him and his blogs. We basically have a chat about our corresponding journeys. Um, life is 32-year-old males here in New Zealand, different paths, similar conclusions and ideas and parallel thinking and different thinking. It's uh, really awesome to connect with people like Ryan and He's just someone that contacted me after the Tim Kaverman podcast and and got really excited about our process of addressing the fear and anxiety that we both faced around facing those new and difficult things. And uh, yeah, that's a bit of what we explore in this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Make sure you reach out to both Ryan and myself. Easy one, this one. Ryan and Ryan. Um, (laughs) Or as my mates were saying on the weekend, who's Ryan? Who's Ryan O'Connor? They, they all call me Stag. Um, but yeah, without further ado, here's episode 160, and uh, love to hear from you. Cheers. Kia ora, everyone. This is a good one, because it's Ryan talking to Ryan. Ryan Nicholson. Mate, um, I think we'll start off with you wanted to do on the weekend, because you had that up on your Instagram. It was... Um, it's always successful going in the bush, but even more when uh, you bring something back with you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was actually on the Friday, so I managed to negotiate a bit of time off from the boss, and um, I saw there was a bit of a weather window, so chucked everything in the truck and got up at about just after three a.m. and <laughs> went off up country. Um, pretty, pretty brisk old morning. Um, sort of was wondering whether I was going to regret the shorts. When I got out of the truck and she was a negative three or something like that. But um, yeah, no, I managed to spook a few deer on the way in, which, you know, isn't always the greatest, but it's a good sign sometimes. And um, yeah, managed to managed to knock a, a deer over at sort of the middle of the morning, which was, was good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, looking at your video, you were sort of testing, testing the. Um the courage with that face that it was perched up on, mate. Um, how, how did you feel being above that? And did, did you do the butchering on that face or did you move it a bit? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I saw it from the river and um, I was looking up and I sort of, she was quite far, or he was quite far up the face and um, I set up my bipod on the rocks down in the river and I thought, oh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to scope myself here. But um, <laughs> fortunately, that not so I was chuffed. Um, and yeah, I saw it when I shot it. I, I dropped it and I saw it tumbling. And I thought, oh, no, it's going to go all the way to the bottom. But um, I just managed to perch itself up on a log about halfway down the slip, um, which 
was good and bad because it meant I had to go out on the flip and grab it and you know not always the greatest with heights and stuff like that but um, yeah seemed to take take my time and um, you know have my girlfriend's words you know left in the morning uh, be safe and I'm sitting there going like well I wonder what she'd think of this but you know <laughs> um, you take it quietly and um, it seemed to work out all right yeah so exactly that you know take it safe like uh during early covid i was trying to find you know a 13 dollar arrow that a rabbit had run across run away with and ended up falling down a bank and so now when i'm out in the bush you know that was sort of the realization and well, thank goodness this was out, out on the back of the farm not not that that was going to do me any good for the rest of the day if nobody if i had hurt myself but when you're out in the bush that sort of those sort of things sort of run through your head there you're in the middle of nowhere what sort of calculated risk calculated uh, decision making was going on um to get the job done yeah well i sort of well, i had it out and i had a, had a good look over i sat down before i went out on the flip because i've done a bit of walking on slips and tar hunting and stuff like that and you know um you can put yourself in a few silly positions if you and sometimes you don't realize it till you're out there and think oh, that's a stupid idea and now i'm here but um <laughs> so yeah no, i had a bit of a look over and sort of figured out a track and decided to leave my my pack and my rifle off the slip so i didn't have too much weight with me and could use all of my hands and things like that mister i've got a little pino caddy and um just chucked the knife and the, the meat bag hooked it onto the back and just went after it that way um but yeah it had fallen on the log so and it just it just sort of bellied itself on it so I managed to pull it over onto the log and get get onto a bit of solid ground and just managed to butcher it up there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, didn't take a stick or anything with you, sort of um, improvised ice axe? <laughs> nah, nah. I, um, well, I'm sort of not that au fait with, to be honest, with using the rifle for self-arrest or sticks for self-arrest. So I thought I'd just, you know, I have heard stories of people taking crampons and getting a bit carried away and putting themselves in worse positions. So yeah. I thought I was thought maybe I just, just take it easy, you know. And if I, I did have the conversation with myself that you know, if it's going to get dicey, this day is probably not worth tumbling down this <laughs> uh, down the slip for. So you know, um, you can you can always leave it there. It's not always the greatest thing to do, and you don't feel great doing it, but. She's nice to come home as well and not have a you know, broken scone. Broken scone, broken leg, not at all. Mm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Get the chopper out and cool lots of issues for other people. Yeah. And I guess that was, you know, when we were all been locked up and getting upset uh, at the start of level four, that was really the thing that, <laughs> that was sitting at home, was it? You know, it wouldn't just be you that would be causing the issue. It would be uh, everyone else who had to come and get you and organised to come and get you and contact each other that would have that would have caused caused the issues eh? yeah i think you sort of um you misjudge the effect that you know a quick trip in the bush can have sometimes and you know um i mean those and saying that you know if it's the right situation occurred you should probably push the button but the thing is is you've got to sort of think about it before you put yourself in that situation i guess and you know as much as we do you know, you get that itch and you get that, you know, you'd like to go and get your fix of going in the bush and things like that, you know. 
there's other days left in the year that we can go do it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And mate, um, how long have you been into it? You know, a bit like, a bit like me, your biases, you're sort of navigating your way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, how long have you been sort of looking at hunting and, and using the bush as a, you know, a, a wide array of um, positive attributes? Yeah. Um, well, I used to, like, well, I used to knock around with my dad when I, when I was a young fella, and we used to go out with my brother and shoot rabbits and things like that, and we'd do the old missions down to um, Waitotara and shoot some goats with our, you know, um, dad's mates. And, you know, that was when we were younger, and then my parents ended up sort of going their own separate ways, so that opportunity sort of dried up a little bit, unfortunately. So when I came down to uni in Wellington, um, I sort of had all but given up on going bush and hunting and stuff because, you know, thought I'd be surrounded by, you know, um, tall buildings and lattes and whatnot, which is true at some point. But um, I, I managed to bump into a few people who still got into it and um, we used to do a bit of pig hunting. Um, but, you know, it was a lot, like I said, in the, one of my yarns, was, a lot of it was just walk around the bush smoking darts and stuff but it is sort of fostering that sort of the the love of the bush and things like that anyway you know you're spending time with some mates and things like that having a bit of a laugh you know getting some meat and things like that and you know it's always fun with the dogs and um but as I sort of went on sort of left hunting alone for a bit and um pursued a few other things mainly um drinking excessive amounts of alcohol and things like that which um didn't tend to work out so great but um yeah just over the last i don't know maybe three or four years i actually started taking it quite a bit more seriously and started looking and planning a few more trips and trying to get a bit more regular with it and um i have had the pleasure of having a few good mates that have been keen to get amongst it with me as well but um, i really enjoyed sort of going out and doing the solo mission sometimes just um good for the soul and it's good for the you know bit of confidence and bit of self-worth and stuff you know like taking it easy but sort of putting yourself in those situations where you have to think and do a bit of analysis and you know sometimes you come up trumps with an animal and it's a good feeling yeah mate <clears throat> um dog and gun coffee put up the other day you know what do you what do you go out there and that was that was definitely you know, when I sat down and, and had a good thing about it, one of my things is that space and that, especially when you're going solo, the opportunity to fully process everything without a distraction. Now, I know I'd, I'd sort of take my phone and do the odd video, but realistically that ends up being two minutes of of bloody, I don't know how many hours I'm out there. And um, yeah, there's... There's a, a lot of opportunity to to find your sort of your dark places and your in your um, dissenting voices in your head and, and work through it and, and like I say build confidence and even more so when you pull it off. But just getting back to the truck, getting to the heart, getting to your campsite, getting fire light, like it's those small achievements which are amplified so massively. Um, like you said, you started off just sort of wandering around with mates chasing the old pig and pig sorry and 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 smoking a bit um where where did you start to see that there was more to it like i said you left it and came back yeah well 
I sort of, I left it for a while and like, you know, I started working a bit and sort of getting carried away with, you know, the weekends. I'd spend, you know, um, a lot of the times just catching up with mates and getting on the juice and things like that. And, you know, that, that doesn't really leave a huge amount of time for hunting. Um, you know, there are those people who can handle it and they're pretty tough and they get up at, you know, in the morning and after having a few jars and can still manage to get out for a hunt even if they're feeling a bit rubbish. But for me, I didn't really have that and you'd be hungover and I'd just, I'd struggle to do anything, to be honest. And then Monday wouldn't be very good either and Tuesday wouldn't be great. And then by Wednesday come around, you'd be looking forward to the next one. So, yeah, I... I just sort of felt at some point you get to that place where you think I've got to sort of tune it back and do what's important for me. And, um, you know, I, I don't have no problem with people drinking and still like to have a few myself on occasion and things like that. But I just felt that it didn't have that satisfaction anymore. And I wanted to sort of develop in a way that would contribute to my self-worth and what I was doing in a better way, sort of a better investment of my time, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So you've sort of taken a pretty simple approach, like bush, books and banter, like that's, it's root that is so, so simple and so accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where did they, they, those sort of seeds start that this is just one step at a time? And, and obviously you, you've, looking at your page and looking at your blog, you've, you've gone reasonably far down the road, but where did, mm. where did the, the first sort of steps, like you said, to move away and, and, and create more significance with your weekends, mm. what were your seeds? Um, I sort of, I gave up smoking about two years ago and I didn't really think about too much about it, except for like, the fact that you think about smoking a dart like every 10 or so minutes. But I mean, <laughs> when I, when I when I quit, I sort of I, I I'm a firm believer, and you've got to your attention doesn't really get destroyed. You've got to kind of point it at something else and right. something productive. So I started in I started reading a few books and things like that, and I came across I think it's a book called Atomic Habits or something like that, or it might have been something else at the time, but it was just talking about um, just improving your day a little bit at a time. And I have this, you know, I have this theory that when we go to do things and improve ourselves, it always looks like a big mission. You look at the mountain instead of first step and you go, no, no, that's too much for me. And you pull pin and you get step back and you sort of leave it. And then if you pull pin, you don't really want to approach it again because you've got that feeling of like, oh, I've already sacked it thinking about that. So I don't really want to go and do it. but I guess it was that, and um, so I sort of got this idea, like, oh, yeah, maybe I could just do a few few little things at a time and just work my way up to bigger things. And uh, a couple of years ago, a few of my family members sort of passed away in quite quick succession. And mm. I, it was it was pretty difficult to deal with at the time. Like, I went to their funerals and things like that, and I... you. And interesting things at funerals like they don't you never talk about what you have or things like that you know you don't get the the list of assets read out you get people coming up and talking about what people did how they influenced their lives and things like that and I was sitting there and one of them was my cousin and um, 
she had her own challenges and things like that and but she still had this amazing life and she you know never complained um she would talk to people and they'd have a positive interaction of dealing with her and think oh man she was just so lovely you know they said all these things and the other one was a grandparent on each of my parents side and they had done all these things that I sort of never knew mm. and my, my granddad had been over to I think Vanuatu and built orphanages and things like that and my nana had been working with uh, not Women's Refuge but one of those organizations and things like that and I sort of was sitting there at the funeral and going home and thinking like so what am I up to? Mm-hmm. You know, I got no, well, no physical limitations and things like that, relatively healthy. And there's a lot of opportunities that I've passed by. And how many more am I going to pass up? I guess mm-hmm. is the question. And I thought, well, maybe I should pass up a few less. <laughs> Get on to it. <laughs> yeah, what, what? Yeah. What were you know? While we're thinking of the things that you passed up, was was there anything significant that stands out at you that you sort of, you know, regret that you you didn't do or, or you missed opportunity? Maybe like it, it's it's all a journey, and and, and it, if you do do something, it changes your whole trajectory. But yeah, um, I think I passed up. Like there was a few job opportunities at work, and you know, I could make you can make a few excuses as to why you didn't do that. Things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I think one of the things is I used to turn down a lot of opportunities to do things that would have been quite good for me and quite cool experiences, but just reasons that it would make me uncomfortable. So maybe I didn't have the fitness back then. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sort of training and keeping in shape. And something would come up and someone would be like, oh, do you want to go do this? And like, I'd just sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to be the least fit. It's going to be shit. I'll be at the back of the pack. Like, I'll be knackered and, and you like we all know the feeling like we've been hunting with something that's fitter than us you do sort of suffer a little bit but it's all part of the thing and you know most people stop for a while so you can have a bit of a breather mm. um yeah I think it's probably I don't I can't think of a huge one myself but um but definitely a lot of small ones yeah mm. and on the flip side what you know <laughs> one of Jim Carrey's you know he's got a lot of lots of good movies but one of his great movies that I really enjoy is Yes Man and he's that sort of is at the other end of the spectrum but what have you sort of been finding and saying yes to a few more things and and, a, and you know being selective in, in what you do choose to say yes to yeah I think just um picking those things that are important to you that are going to move you closer to your goals and things like that is is the things that I try and say yes to you can say I know a lot of people get away with the whole uh, saying yes for a year to all the opportunities but some of those might not be as good for you as you think too you know you can use up a lot of time saying yes to things and doing things I mean if you're that kind of person who's maybe a, get, isolates themselves a little bit or something like that then yeah that probably would be something good but I think you know if you're you've got to sort of pinpoint the things that you say yes to so I, I was trying to take advantage of getting out and about a bit more, going tar hunting and things like that, you know, getting these experiences that you might not be able to get and, you know, maybe you had to tighten up a bit on your spending or something like that so you could afford to go and do those things and mm. you could afford to go on a chopper or something and go hunt seeker or do what you were going to do, but, you know, 
actually saying no to the smaller things like you know having a bit of financial discipline and things like that allowed me to say yes to those bigger things which are you know really really awesome and like I got the opportunity to sort of go out charter fishing with my dad and things like that he can't unfortunately hunt as much as he would like to these days and things so charter fishing is a good thing that he can participate with and those are those memories that sort of stick with you for a mm. long time you know yeah mate um absolutely and, and, it, and it's funny like as a with a bit of financial discipline you can you can get out there and and do the thing but it's actually the moment and the experience that really sticks with you like mm. it's just about being with your dad doing something exciting like how cool is that yeah that's awesome eh? yeah it's wicked and um you know the things that you forfeit before that yeah. probably aren't of that magnitude so you know yeah no, that that is that is quite fascinating and then like like you said the, the little things that you do sort of choose to say no like um lots of people talking about sort of energy and, and where you're placing the energy and like you know mm. is that energy sapping is it is it energy building and that sort of stuff like they're all they're all interesting paradigms and i guess that's what you're sort of exploring when it comes to reading a bunch of books is picking the brains of a wide array of people um i saw one of the people that you sort of helped to get your day moving was Aubrey marcus when mm. the day when yeah. the morning like simple paradigms eh, to just really streamline what it is that you're doing and and i guess to take a quite severe line in the sand and, and follow along with hey, i'm going to do this this and this and uh what's that that app you're using habits is, is are you still yeah plugged yeah, into that yeah yeah so it's the, i think it's the loop habit tracker and you just i just sort of started using it i had about four habits and then i started just uh, every couple of weeks, I try and tack something else on. Yeah. That was actually how I started um, a couple of years ago. And I figured that, you know, if I improved one thing every two weeks, or at least tried to do something that would improve um, my life a little bit, even if it didn't, you know, at least you know it doesn't, you can get rid of it and crack on with something else. But yeah. um, you add that, you get that compound, it's like compounding interest, right? You get the compounding benefit of all these habits that you're chucking in so i started trialing a few things i do get up in the morning and drink a bit of water like drink a bit of water with some um, lemon juice and some salt and creatine just to hydrate and then get up and have a bit of a stretch and do some push-ups and whatever else do a bit of reading maybe a bit of meditation and then you know you you tickle these things off and it's a bit of it's micro wins but it's momentum in your day a little bit mm. and then you know if the shit hits the fan later on um in the day you know at least you've got them under your belt and it's not all wasted time and things like that and yeah just built it built it up from there so um that habit tracker you can obviously tra you track your habits and you tick them off every day but because you know no one really likes to lose a these are streaks like we're, I don't know if you're a Snapchat man, but back in the day I was. And um, you used to get friend streaks and whatever else. And um, that's the whole psychology from what I understand of that is you'll keep using it because you don't want to give that streak up. And it's the same as the habit tracker, like you get up to about 95% um, automaticity or whatever the word is. And um, yeah, you don't want to let it go. You, you keep doing it. 
because you sit there and you're like, yeah, no, I've cracked this, like, and you don't want to give that momentum up. And I said, like uh, reading that blog just before we started talking, you straight away got me motivated. Speaking of streaks, that's how Duolingo works as well. Like um, you sort of set how much experience you want to get for the day and then they, um, you know, they give you a streak and then they sort of encourage you to bet and it's it's all imaginary crystals, diamonds or whatever it is. But um, yeah, like bet, do a bet to, to double the amount of, points you've basically got by going on a seven day streak and all the all the sorts, mm. sorts of stuff and um yeah they've i think i think Duolingo is pretty awesome way they've sort of gamified learning something like um i don't know what it's like when you in the paid version i think you can get as many mistakes as you like but in the unpaid version it's kind of good because um you've only got five health so five mistakes you can go back mm. and earn, earn a little bit more health but um yeah, and so if you lose your health, that forces you to go back and practice basic things as well, the things that you're probably stuffing mm. up as well. So, yeah, no, um, is it, are, you, are you doing any, you learn to do, right? Um, how are you going yeah. about that? Um, slowly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I always get um, one of the bros on one of the pages that I follow, he, um, he always talks to me in Tereo. Um, What's the page, but, mate? Um, it's it's brothers for brothers, um, but it's one of the one of the male mental health pages that I follow, and cool. um, one and along with like for all the brothers and things like that. And um, yeah, now they run they run like weekly Zoom things and things where um, you can jump in as men and just have a bit of a bit of a yarn to other men and things about how you're feeling and you know support other people and things like that, which I think is you know, pretty important these days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when he checks in and he messages uh, messages me or replies to my stories and stuff like that, it's always in Tereo. I'm like, get the book out and get out Google Translate. I'm trying to figure things out, but it's, but that's you know that's he's he's pushing it, and that's the kind of people that you want mm. on your team because they're pushing you to learn. You know, they don't let you take that backward step. Like, oh yeah, we can talk in English. He's like, no, I know you're learning Tereo. Get into it, you know. It's good. But it's hard, man. It's hard. It's um, learning languages. You know, I'm yet to yet to conquer that skill. <laughs> yeah, mate. Me, you just you just giving me a fantastic idea. Um, the spotting vet and and Francesco uh, over there in Italy. I should uh, get them to say I'll I'll send my messages to you in English, and you guys send your messages to me in Italian, and. It might slow our conversation down a little bit, but it might help us both out. Oh, that Francesco is pretty bloody awesome, man. Yeah. I think he can also speak French, and because you know, his wife's from Borneo, and yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's a champ and, and a vet. But um, yeah, no, that's that's a really good idea. And um, so this Brothers for Brothers, how long has that been around? That, that sounds really, really um, interesting. I've I've only just come across them in the last oh, maybe a few months or so. Um, not really sure how I did come across it, but I I bumped into it somehow. And he, the guy was doing the guy Zane, he was planning on doing a twenty-four hour walk for mental health to raise funds on for Lifeline, I think it was. Yeah. And um, I believe it's Lifeline or one of them. Um, and I thought that was pretty mean. And I was looking at one of my goals this year was to do it. 24 hour walk just for the sake of it just to see what it would be like and you know sort of push myself a little bit and I saw he was doing it I thought oh well that'd be cool so I flicked him a message and just had a bit of yarn to him and um, 
nah, he's he's hard on the um, supporting the bros and you know just giving people encouragement. You know he's um, basically sick of people um, taking their lives and things because of mental health and you know trying to trying to help people through it and you know show them that there's a life and there's a way through to work through things. And I yeah I think that's pretty good these days. It's mm. something that needs to be talked about and that is a hard thing to talk about and it's not often comfortable but it's one of those things you know um if you do it sort of helps out a bit mm. yeah that's that's pretty exciting to hear because um obviously i've had a couple of the guys from everyman on here over in the states and i saw that they've managed to set up a chapter in new zealand i'm not sure where it is or or whatever but it's good to hear um Dear Daddy was planning on coming to Melbourne pre-COVID, but <laughs> that obviously hasn't yeah. happened. But um, yeah, and there was another group in, in Christchurch, I think, that has has set up a bit of a men's circle going on, and they're doing things online as well. Um, uh, ben Logan as well down in Wanaka, he's sort of got a a, a men's Facebook page, you know, to to share share stuff on. So yeah, it's um, it's good it's good that that sort of stuff's starting to creep in and, and things like that. And, in your sort of day to day, is there much attention paid to the the wellness of, of staff and things like that? And especially now that you're working remotely. Um, well, I, I still sort of turn up to I turn up to work four days a week and stuff like that. But um, we've at our work, I work for Victoria University of Wellington. I'm trying to get that right because they renamed a little while ago. Um, <laughs> got to get a word. Um, but um, yeah, so they they are actually quite good with promoting those sort of, especially over COVID and things like that. They had a really good course um, and a few other few other courses. But the one I went on was I think it was Blueprint for Mental Health. Um, but it was a it was a one funded by the uh, Ministry of Health, and that they actually walk you through quite a comprehensive course. It's about six hours and. Um, and it was a Zoom thing, but they have a couple of instructors and they actually go through some really good stuff, which um, helps you understand more about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and I think understanding is quite key because a lot of us are like, yeah, 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 no, it's good to talk about your problems and stuff like that, but we don't fully come to grips with what the people are dealing with and, you know, and, and how to approach it and things like that. So when you, you know, like anything, when it's unfamiliar, you sort of a bit, don't want to make it worse you know and we sort of shy away from it and that's unfortunately something that's not going to help as much you know and um, so so they're giving people those sort of tools and mm. you get a bit more of a comprehensive understanding and um, and therefore you're sort of better equipped to help help people out which is quite cool mm. And, and sort of even in, in yourself as well. I think that's one of the things that lots of people are getting reasonably frustrated with is there's a lot, you know, a lot of talk about um, mental health and, and then it's like, well, the numbers are still going up. People are still taking their lives. So um, now, we're, now we're all aware of it. Let's, uh, let's start doing something about it, eh? Um, it's, as you said there, the, the tools to deal with it. And, and you're right, when someone does come to you with, you know that that undesirable feeling you do sort of creep up and kind of go oh, shit. I don't actually know know where to start, or where to help help you. And 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 unfortunately, when you 
go go looking for the help it's it's not cheap um no and so as you know you and i sitting in a, in a circle with with some friends it can be quite difficult to sort of you know to do something that's that's positive and say yeah like how, how much sort of time investment was involved in, in what you're involved with um i mean it was it was six hours so like you would do a couple of hours a day or something like that mm-hmm. um and i mean that doesn't sound like a lot of time but they give you good materials you know you can they keep in touch with you and things like that so it's i think it's a basic understanding is good and like knowing where to go if you can't handle it and things like that, you know, um, mm. escalation and things like that can be quite difficult. And, and that's, that's the other thing too, is like, here you can go there and it's like, it's kind of like, well, if you go to someone and they're in need of help and you don't know what to do, that sort of puts you in a position as well. And I think knowing, knowing at least how to help that person or how to get that person help is really valuable. Mm. You know, sort of, I sort of look at the, the sort of quitting smoking thing as quite a powerful tool. Like, it it, it does take a lot. Like, I, I always try and empathise with my patients who are smokers, and especially mm. when when most of them sort of say to me that it's for stress. How I sort of frame the interaction is, why do you smoke? And often there's not an answer. Um, my <laughs> my sort of my sort of aim with that, and, and I'd love to hear your feedback on this, is my sort of aim with that is that if you address the, the why of what started it and why you're still doing it, it might even escalate out to certain other behaviours and habits and um, sort of deeply grooved things in your life. Like, And that's the sort of vibe I get from you is it, it started with you know, that small thing of, of quitting smoking and it's mm. led on to much greater and, and, and deeper deeper avenues and, and daily habits. Yeah. I mean I think it's it's difficult having conversations with yourself about those kind of things, you know, like certain <laughs> yeah. things get in the way and you get the old ego gets in the way and tells you piss off and then, you know, you've got to sort of go past that and be like, no, 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 let's have a you know, have a proper look into it. And I mean um quitting quitting smoking, I mean I was pretty good at it. I quit many times before, and like um, you know, the um, I I had to just like look at it and say like, right, how am I gonna how am I gonna do this in a way that I'm not gonna, um, you know, my body's not gonna have a little bit of a freak out and want to have another cigarette. So I just I could didn't do cold turkey. I just went just faded away. You know, just like ghosting on Tinder, just sort of two, two <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> two cigarettes on, on Tinder. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you do like two texts one day and then <laughs> one text the next and then you wait one day and then one text. And it's just like that with cigarettes until you get to the point at which you're like, I can't remember the last time I had one. And then it sort of gets to the point where you, you're not going to have another one. And it's quite a... And again, it's like your win streak, right? You you get to that point where you're like, oh well, I don't want to ruin the run anymore. And there's there's other things too, eh? Like you you know that it's you know, social view of it sort of swinging around a little bit and things like that. It's affecting other stuff too. Like I was trying to get fitter, 
and then you know I'll go for a run and then come home and have a bourbon and a dart and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> what do I um, so there are those things and I think you, you you've got to really want to and you've got to have a valid reason and things like that like if you've got nothing better to do then of course you're going to do that and mm. why not like the, the thing is you always you've got to do something with your time and you've got to have your reasons for things and I mean a lot of people just plain enjoy it and I think you've got to stop enjoying it before you will actually want to quit and things like mm. that it's different for everyone man and like everyone sort of I've got a lot of friends that smoke still. I've got a few friends that have quit, you know, which is cool, good on them. Some people get their vape on, which is still, like, amazes me because it's just the sheer amount of smoke and shit that comes out of those things and how people, you know, um, you sort of, I think what you, like where you, where you were going before is, like, you have to look at why you have that thing to do it and sometimes it is a little bit more deep-seated and you know you go oh when did i start this and why did why did i do it then and has that you know maybe that was just a thing that i did do or was that something was it a coping mechanism was it just something to do with my spare time because i didn't want to address the fact that i wasn't doing anything with my time or something like that it's different for everyone and for me that was probably it like i didn't really have anything to do other than do that so mm -hmm. You know, if I wasn't, I wasn't hunting, you know, I was that we, we used to smoke and we did that kind of thing. But after that, you know, if I was drinking and we'd just sit around and have a few ciggies and shit like that. Um, I mean, you don't have, you don't have anywhere to be and got to, and got to smell nice for someone. It doesn't, there's no problem, right? You go home, brush your teeth, job done. <laughs> Mate, you, you said something really powerful there and it's, it's kind of like those, those sorts of things and you, and you went to that place of, you know, what, what was this coping mechanism? And when you are trying to address your ego and, and go, well, why do I do this? And it's, you do get that sort of, you said having a difficult conversation with yourself is quite hard. Um, and that's, that's where I think doing something like psychotherapy can be helpful because you get to have a conversation with somebody else about yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, well, what, what are you, what are you, how are you sort of seeing the ego at, at, uh, you know, similar age to me, 32. Um, how are you sort of seeing the ego at this point in time? Um, it's still, it still rocks up. Um, it's, um, uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think you once you start noticing it and you sort of become aware of it, you can, you can notice when you're responding because of that whole ego thing. And, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing. And, like, you can use it to your advantage as well, right? Like... Mm. Um, if you know yourself and you know that my ego won't let me do this like yeah but in lockdown or whenever it was I was sort of getting a bit well you know a bit casual a bit soft on things and I was like man I need to sort of step this up a bit I'm going to start going out for some cold runs and I thought oh yeah how am I going to stop myself from sacking it you know and not mm. um not doing it and it's like oh I'll just put it up on the instagram because mm -hmm. yeah you know you know at least someone's going to be like bro you didn't you're shit you don't even do it <laughs> 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 you know and that's the thing is like i mean it is you can the beauty of social media is you can put things up and say things and 
you know, you don't have to back them up. But people, people know, bro. Like they, people that know you, they know. And yeah. you know, it's, it's credibility with other people and credibility with yourself as well. And you, your ego will hold you accountable as well. And um, I think doing that's good. But um, being able to have those talks with yourself and realize, I think when you get to a certain age, and I'm not sure how you find it, you sort of realize that you're not the best at everything and there are yeah. people who are bloody good at things and sometimes you've just got to suck it up and you know i'm not a great mechanic bro like my mate was telling me to buy a, um a flank drive spanner or something the other day and i was like <laughs> what and he's like yeah it's the thing just go in and get one don't get a crap one i was like how do i tell what a good one is but i think it's you know without sort of depleting your self-esteem you've got to sort of be um going to be a little bit self-deprecating sometimes and that's what I sort of try and do in my blogs and stuff I sort of take the mickey a bit and sort of own it you know um, mm. when you stuff up because then you can own your successes as well um, but you know if you're not owning your faults that's just it's kind of you know we all we all cock things up and we all do things we regret and um, you the most important thing is learning from them and if you can help someone else learn from them then cool you know um, I think that that's really good and it helps other people realize that it is all good to make mistakes and you know it's not the end of the world and things like that other people do it um, and I don't know if there's really um, enough of that these days like on Instagram and everything you get pretty curated things you don't it's, it's good I like the hunting community people own their misses you know quite mm. often they put up and they say um I missed the deer today and things like that. And that's good because it shows people that are starting, you know, like, yeah, you still make mistakes. Like you can put in a lot of work and things go wrong and stuff like that. Um, and I think, I think that's really helpful. I think, you know, your ego can get in the way of helping you, helping yourself and your progress a lot too, because you don't want to ask that person how to do things. And like my swimming, for example, um, I was pig-headed and wanted to self-teach myself how to swim, so sort of drag myself up and down the pool. I had people offer to help me, but you know, you just like, no, 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 I want to want to learn myself, and you do, but you know, you probably would have learned slightly quicker if you let someone give you a bit of a hand. Yeah, no, um, that's what's been good about this podcast is getting some hunting mentors has been bloody fantastic, mm. <laughs> um, and. Um, you know, I've, I've got a long list of, of things that I need mentorship on and, and you know, surfing and, and, uh, and but when we started talking after Tim Gaverman, um, spearfishing and, and I even had a couple of offers and, um, so, uh, I might, might get onto those, those sort of beginner, beginner moments. Oh, very funny. Yeah. Very but oh, <laughs> I think, I think it's, I, I, I don't know if I've written about it or not, but, um, I love the, the beginner mindset stuff, eh? Like mm. stuffing it up and feeling like a dick. Again, it's it's addressing the ego, I guess. It's like, like you say, you're, you're not the best at everything, and mm. and I sort of joke around a lot with a lot of people that as a 25 year old male, you're an absolute twat, and that's mostly because you think you know everything or you think mm. you're the best at everything. Yeah, and you got and you're um, you God's gift to everything. But mm. yeah, you, you get, <laughs> and 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 I, I don't know why, but the 
the the bad stuff just sort of doesn't land and and you don't like you were saying you don't sort of learn from all the bad stuff and it sort of takes another five years and maybe it's maybe it's the working environment maybe it's the the um generally the relationship environment that, that you go or you try to go through <laughs> and those, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that um that that shapes those ideal or not, those um the ideas around around who you are as a person that sort of goes well, hang on a moment i don't I don't quite know what I th- what I thought I knew at, at that age, and, and maybe I just sort of um, need to take a step back. Uh, I've I've talked about a um, it's like an information curve, and it's the same like you were saying about uh, the mental health stuff. Getting a little bit of awareness is quite handy. That um, when you realise that you don't know everything, then you can be more receptive. And and but if you just know that little bit, and you're a bit arrogant in what you're doing, then you're a little bit dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's um I think yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think everyone's got um everyone's got something to learn, eh, and everyone's got something to teach. Mm. And you know, sometimes you have to talk to people for a little while to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but people that might not appear as clued up as you think, they're usually pretty clued up in something. Um, mm. Mm. You know, if you compare people who work in IT with people who work outside and things like that, like they'll do, they'll both do things that are pretty impressive and you'll sit there and go, shit, that's pretty good. I've never thought about that, doing it like that. Mm. Because it's just the way that they think, you know, and being able to have those conversations. And like you say, the beauty of things like this podcast is you can talk to people that have spent time learning things that you haven't had time to learn and you can learn from them, mm-hmm. which is, which is an awesome thing. And, um, yeah, a little bit, little bit of information is dangerous. I think um, I did a bit of kickboxing like many, many years ago, and um, it was always the people that had done a few classes. They were always keen as to get into it. Eh? And you take a few, take some of the lads out to a couple of kickboxing classes, then you go out on the beers on a Friday, and suddenly, holy, they got a bit bigger and they were keen as for a scrap or something. You're like, oh, bro. <laughs> no. Yeah, that, that, that's one of the things yeah. from Joe Rogan about jujitsu. Eh? Constantly being humbled at no no matter what level. But yeah, I'm yeah. sure there, there probably is a phase of, of that. I don't, I don't know the colours of the blue bouts or uh, sorry, the yeah. colours of the bouts in jujitsu. But I'd imagine there's a phase where you get a, get a couple of bouts and you start to think you're pretty pretty good, and that's when yeah. the, the black bout to come along and hum, humble you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, bro. I think. Um... I think the further you get on, you realise the gravity of the sport and how how dangerous people can actually be and the potential that people can have. And I think maybe that's a thing in life too. Like when you sort of go down a track and you've you've gone down, you know, a certain path and learned a few things and sort of figured a few things out, you realise that other people are going down different paths and different journeys. And while they might not have figured out what you have, they're still pretty clued up about something. So. Mm. You know, my dad used to always say, "Never pick a fight with a guy in the pub that you don't know," because <laughs> you know, might give you a good tell. And... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's 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 pretty pretty true. Uh, I, don't, I don't I don't think you should pick a fight with anyone. Um, wow, yeah, that's, <laughs> he's probably speaking to a younger person. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. One of the things, you know, we live in a little bit of a, a parallel existence. And it's probably probably age frame, but um, I was flicking back through your Instagram and you had up there. Um, he started dabbling in uh, ETFs. Is it? I don't. I can't always stuff it up. The, 
Oh, yes, uh, ETS, yes, uh, um, like index funds and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the guys, uh, one of my mates that I used to work with as well, he's a bit more clued up financially than me. Uh, mm. illustrates illustrates the point of what we're just saying. Um, and, you know, a bit better with financially with money and things like that, but a bit of discipline. I was, you know, he was, he was talking about index funds and ETFs and I was just, you know, it was all over my head, but then I started looking at things that I needed to improve on and I was like, wow, financial skills is up there on that too. So how can I start reducing my debt? And, you know, everyone talks about having passive income and all this. It's like, I thought that was just something for people with lots and lots of money, you know, that could figure that out. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And, um, but yeah, no, he was talking about it and then I, listened to an audio book about it um, by the old Tony Robbins with mm -hmm. his big ass voice and um, yeah and he he drilled it to me on the audio book about you know how it was a solid way of investing and things like that and you sort of take it with a grain of salt you think like yeah well, gonna hock in a bit of, bit of literature and stuff like that so of course he's going to say <coughs> it's going to be productive but yeah I gave it a bit of a crack and um, I sort of just drip fed a small amount of money into it and on the every fortnight for just oh, it's been about a year and a half now, mm. and um, yeah, so it's, it's essentially working out quite well. I mean, obviously the banks aren't really providing a huge return on your investment if you've got ten deposits and things like that. Now, um, my bank sent me an email the other day telling me they're lowering my savings rate, yeah, interest I or something. Yeah, I've, like, oh. I've got I've got one with Rabo, and I hate I hate getting an email from Rabo because it's every every time it's to tell me that the interest rate's gone down lower and lower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You hope for something more positive, but um, from a bank there, they, um, it's usually that unfortunately these days. And you yeah, know, it seems to be. I mean, you can those they take a you take a percentage of each company in that market or however it works. So. Um, it's like a, a snapshot of that market and then so if the way I understand it being and someone will probably correct me is that um, you know you're you're betting on economic growth basically that yeah. like if you think that it, that market is going to go up and it does you know it's a good return and um, my understanding also well the way I think about it is if one company goes under and it's better to have your shares spread over that because those other companies are probably going to take up their market share. Mm. Now, I don't know if that's right, but it makes sense in my head. Mm. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, and I mean, then you can, so you can do that in a market and then of course you can diversify over a few markets. So I put a bit in the US, which is moves around a fair bit, depending on who's tweeting what and getting up to no good. Um, and then, you know, you put someone in the emerging markets and things like that, chuck a bit in New Zealand because, you know, you've got to support the hometown. And, um, yeah, it's just, it seems to be taking long. You get reasonable returns out of it. And, and I think it's, it's one of those things that's a long term. You're not, you're not going to chuck a bit of money in and hope next year you're going to retire and just do the big Hail Mary and it's all <laughs> going to work out. It's sort of pull it out 30 years down the track and be quite happy with yourself, which is probably a nice, um, you know, synonymous with life a little bit. You don't, you can't win it all straight away. You got to yeah. take your time and ho hope it works out. Absolutely, I mean that's that's a 
really good way, way of looking at it. You're not, you're not going to, it's synonymous with life. You're not going to win it straight away. You might, you might win the lotto, but the, but the, the, the um, you know, the chance of that's pretty rare. I think the other thing, like I'm, I'm a bit like, I've, <clears throat> my um, financial literacy is hopeless. And mm. like, oh, <laughs> I was joking with my brother and, and, and my flatmate studying accounting and, and we were talking about something to do with, the way businesses are run the other day and they, they taught me something and I said, oh, my sixth form accounting didn't, didn't count for anything. Like, oh, but at least you understood a little bit of what we said. And, and then mm. me and my brothers have sort of done the same. We started off just drip feeding once a month into an account and then we we're kind of, you know, in the rate that the banks were giving us and then we're like, well, what else can we do? And then we went on Simplicity and, and did Trade and Fund and then all of a sudden that started to accumulate and, and look, quite good and then all of a sudden it almost like peaks your interest and, and it goes back to those habits that you're talking about they start to become engrooved and so and i think any place you're talking about COVID, how it's disrupted um the bank interest rate gone so low that your cash is worthless and so again of then taking that to a per personal um realm and then also i was putting some money inside in the bank for my daughter and i'm kind of like well if this is a uh, 20 year or I think it's 25 year investment well maybe maybe we should go for a little bit more risk and and hmm. ride the waves a little bit and I, and I guess it sort of starts to expand that literacy and you know you start reading and listening to more like people like Ray Dalio and and Warren Buffett yeah. and, and you said about <laughs> Tony Robbins he's he seems to be pr pretty switched on it's um and you take a lot more notice of the different ideas out there like um i've sort of in the last few months been exposed to the silver and gold stuff a little bit more i've listened to peter schiff a little bit more uh the, the bitcoin square stuff um the, the jack dorsey i think it is from from twitter mm. and, and instead of sort of skipping through those podcasts you really sort of start to hone in and have a listen and, and go well what does that mean really you know I don't, I don't, again you get a little bit of awareness and, and you start to to look into it yeah it's um yeah it's interesting eh like you it's and there's your ego again like it's easy to just discount them and just be like well there's bloody rich bricks in America <laughs> like of course there's bloody got have some money but you know it has to come from somewhere and things like that and you know you can even sort of like with books and stuff like that and podcasts and things like that it's it's an investment in your time but if you get a little bit out of it that benefits you mm. just a little bit you know that's an act that's another tool on your belt and it comes in handy down the track and you know you think like my mate talking to me about this and just having that that interest you know you have that curiosity like you're saying you go oh man i'll just do a bit of googling you know just just be half an hour and just have a look into it and then you can sort of get um you can observe other people and then you can understand why they do it maybe and then have a bit of a think about it yourself and then go well maybe this is good or maybe you come to the conclusion was like no nah, i need my money in the pocket at the moment because i mm. am a bit skinned or something like that but you know it's all knowledge that can never be taken away from you you know just unless you have some sort of <laughs> problem later on but you know you always hope you don't yeah no it, and it's funny you know, with the silver and gold stuff i've sort of like you say i was stretching one day and had youtube up on the tv and i thought oh I'll watch a video and see what this is all about. And then there was an article today and stuff. And I was like, and it was, it was kind of reinforcing where I felt about it. Like you say, 
I'm a bit skint at the moment or I need a bit of cash right at the moment, so I'm better off with it in my pocket. But it, again, it just look, looks as, as another option down the track of, hey, if I start to get my money working for me, which is which is the plan, you know, we, we all sort of have that plan to have yeah. money work, work for you. And I think that's a Tony Robbins thing. But um, he probably got it from somewhere else too. But as you said, fucking books. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, like I say, down the track, it, it's something that you can go back to and with a bit of knowledge and you're already partway down the, the track of understanding and you, you've got a foundation to, to go to and, and look at, eh? Hmm. Yeah, no, it's, um, it is it is an interesting thing. And I think, yeah, building that foundation and things like that, like we we sometimes sort of neglect certain parts of our lives and things like that because we don't want to spend that time building that foundation, you know, and you're trying to box on with things you are strong at, you know, you go, oh, where can I teammate? I'm a wizard. I'm, yeah. to, I'm not speaking for myself because, you know, I'm, but, um, you know, like some people have very distinct strengths, and, but I think when we capitalise on those and ignore the weaknesses, you know, if that strength gives out, um, you know, you might lose your job or something, you make a mistake at work and get sacked or something, you are like, shit, mm. what do I fall back on? And that's that can be quite a trouble, troubling sort of thing to face. And I think, you know, if you, if you work on bringing other things up to a sort of not so much an even keel, but in a place where you can sort of support yourself and rebuild out of a bit of um, adversity or challenge and things like that. I think that's that's a good place to be because when the pressure comes on, it's quite often your weaknesses that sort of give out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you don't have a strong financial um, position, say, or you're not sort of in a good place financially or mentally, physically, things like this. I mean, like, look at COVID. That sort of highlighted that. Um, if you had physical health, it sort of looked like you were statistically a bit more vulnerable. Um, people were suffering in their businesses and things like this, um, which is which is really unfortunate. And like, if you're not in a great financial position, that puts more pressure on you. Um, if if you're mental mentally, like if you if you're struggling with your mental health, and then shit like this happens, COVID comes along, you're just like, oh my god, you know, it's another thing you have to deal with. Um, and maybe your social well-being as well if you haven't cultivated those those good social connections and solid friendships and things like that when you're in a time of need where do you go to? Mm, absolutely and um, I think the other thing on the social need it really does reiterate that that physical actual being there with, with people like mm. um being with my mates on the weekend, how, like, it was quite lucky we had one of our mates' wedding the weekend before level, level, level four kicked in, and um, gosh, what, what a time. And then, uh, yeah, again, meeting up again, you just really, that, and, and I'm, I'm probably a little bit biased to that. I'm, I'm quite heavily extroverted, so I get, do get a lot of energy from being around the people that, that love and that love and, and build me up. But, yeah, there's the... As you said, that social connection, um, talk, talking on the phone and, and talking deeply on the phone, not just about the weather, is um, mm. is, is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's um, it, is, it is a strange thing because I mean you can have conversations on your Facebook and things like that that are, you know, you have that meaningful connection. But I think face to face is just sort of unparalleled. Eh? Like, yeah, there's 
you, you get so much more feedback, you know, you've got your body language and gestures and things like that and you, this less interpretation and you're sharing the experience of what you're doing and things like that. Um, I, I'm fully in favour of Skype and things like that, you know, Skype or whatever you want to call it now, um, FaceTiming people and things like that across different countries and stuff. I think it's awesome for connection. But I think sometimes we sort of cop out a little bit on it. It mm. could take the time to go over and see someone, have a cuppa or, you know, um, actually drop them a phone call and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 um, it's, it's interesting uh, how the, how the, where the world's taking us at the moment. Yeah. Um, mm. are, are you still doing the digital Sabbath? That was, that was the other thing I, I remembered. <laughs> I remembered that, um, the timing that you could set, I don't know why that didn't come through um, into my phone, they're like timing your apps. Um, so yeah. That, um, so so I, I'd, I'd found myself being on Instagram a whole bunch of, uh, lately, and then I was kind of like, oh, I wasn't doing this, and then I read your article and it had about the timing thing, and I got that off a Tim Ferriss article, and I was like, oh yeah, that thing, that, that works really good. And then, yeah, just again on Tim Ferriss' podcast, heard about this digital Sabbath. And so I've set mm. my, my timing for Sunday to be one minute. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. So I, um, oh, through a couple of changes in situation, I had to, I, I just do data free now. So, because, um, you know, if I'm out and about or something, I have to come back and do a uni assignment or something like that. I'll have to use the computer, unfortunately, but I still keep it so that I'm not jamming on Facebook or, um, or Instagram or something like that. So, yeah, I, your phone's down. And, have it away and stuff and it does work well like you are a bit more present with the people that you're you're with and things like that it's it's also you know i'm just looking at it now it's just sitting there it's drawing my attention um yeah. but just having it and there's been studies and things like that you know which you would have read on that um, blog is at even having like your desk at work affects your cognitive performance so like you are just your brain's just sort of sitting there waiting for it to make a noise you know just to just in case and you're thinking, you're thinking like, oh, maybe I wonder if, you know, I've been being pinged by someone. But yeah. I think it's it's nice to take a step back from that. And it's that whole, it's like a scarcity thing. Like you'll, you might find if you set a timer on your Instagram, it's like I used to set it for 30 minutes. Um, and you set it for 30 minutes and you'll, like you, you bloody enjoy it because you have a good rip through Instagram. You won't stop for shit posts. You will only look at the good ones, and you know <laughs> everything starts becoming a bit valuable because suddenly your time on there is unlimited. And it's like anything, supply and demand. You know, you get a whole lot of something. You're not gonna think it's as valuable as if you only get a little bit. You're gonna enjoy it. And you go through, and you might curate your Instagram a little bit. You know, people that are posting sort of negative stuff, give them a quick chop and you know, and you've got, you know, it's quite suddenly again it's quite exciting to go on Instagram and quite quite a cool experience. Yeah. I had that that was definitely what I used to have. Um, I think I think I've still got my Instagram pretty well curated. But um yeah the I, I definitely understand what you're saying about in this good analogy, you know, we're talking about money just before the supply and demand and value. Like uh yeah, the, um, fortunately, again, conversations that you have with people that know a lot more than you. Like one of the lucky things for me in optometry is that I get to speak to people that are in their sixties and plus and have retired and stuff. Yeah. 
and yes, some of the um, conversations about the supply chain to New Zealand are a little bit scary. Um, that that talk, they were talking about uh, parts for electronic planes or or this guy's Jaguar, but um, yeah, it's 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 going to be pretty interesting going into the hardware shop soon. Um, oh, there are all, all the all these things that we get out of China. Mm. You know, well, we're only going to be left with the with the uh, mass produced ones, I think, for a little while, which is. Is pretty pretty interesting. Yeah. So again, that's yeah probably good to save your pennies. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And it's yeah, it's a it's a strange thing because I never really thought that way. You always sort of think there's there's a there's a way out until you realise that sometimes there's not. Yeah. You know, okay. Um. I mean, you go try and from what I hear at the moment, you go try and apply for a mortgage at a bank. It takes a fair while at the moment to get a bit of get a bit of cash and they're all processing it because the interest rates are so low and, and things like that. But, you know, I think there's, there's that sort of nice feeling that comes with being a bit self-sufficient. I think that's probably why people enjoy hunting so much is it's that confidence and competence. You know, you, you sort of feel like, well, I can go out and get the meat. Like, yeah, you're not, especially if you're me, you're not going to go out and feed the family every week. You'll probably be walking a few k's the kilometers per deer might be a bit high, but um, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, you can you can get after it, and it's that it's that whole thing like um, having having that feeling of sort of a bit of security is is nice, you know. And if that means maybe trimming down on the fancy dinners and things like that for a little while, maybe it's the thing to do. Um, yeah, you know, get a couple of snags instead of the Scotch fillet next time at the CP. Yeah, I think I think the personal sovereignty thing's been coming up. I don't know, maybe just in the people that I track, it's been coming up a lot that that sort of self sufficiency and things. And you've got another interesting post, and it's paralleled to um, to hunting and having everything on your back and that sort of self sufficient, mm. self sovereignty mindset. And and again, it was that what we we're talking about there with Instagram, like culling the junk, finding the things that are valuable. Um, you know, I've, I've bought plenty of gear and things for the for the hell of it that I wish I hadn't, and then you sort of stuck with it because it, it's still got a level of value and it's still got a use, and it really has to get important before you replace it. And, yeah. And you sort of, um, I saw you were sort of looking. Hey, now when you're really going and and, and the saying is buy once, cry once, and it's sort of balanced with buy what you can afford because. Something yeah, you, yeah, you, do, sure. you, you do need to have. But um, I was explaining this to someone the other day that when you do do the buy once, cry once thing, often the value exceeds just the thing. Um, like when it comes to jackets, uh, you know, it's light, it's compact, there's more space, you're not caring so much, and you feel very secure in that item because having that jacket means you don't need to take five pairs of clothes in case they get wet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that that all comes with experience too. Eh? And you can sort of get led astray a bit um, down that track too, especially with hunting. There's, you know, there's so many jackets and so many different things. And some guys, it's, it comes down to that personal thing. You've got to take other people's advice and then sort of look at how you can apply it to your life and whether it is applicable to, I guess, because, we all hunt different areas and mm. some people are hardcore and they go up in the snow in the mountains and bugger around and some of us just like to muck around by the river and whatnot. But, you know, it's, um, you can end up, yeah, like hunting and 
everything else. You know, you can accumulate a lot of stuff where you you thought you needed it and it, you thought it served a purpose, but if you sort of had a bit of a harder look, you might have been able to knock it on the head with one one item and things like that. And I mean, I'm guilty of it, man. Like I had to throw, I threw away a whole lot of my clothes. I didn't throw them away, I gave them away, but um, a whole lot of my I just casual clothes because I just wasn't wearing them. I just mm. walk around and wear, you know, fleece t-shirt and a pair of shorts and some fluffy socks. And then I've had things in my um, wardrobe that I wore for like years, and I was just like, what? And you look back at it, and it's funny because you you look at it and you're like, when did I wear a suit? Like, <laughs> where you going? You know, like, I was, oh yeah, probably getting chopped at a wedding a couple of years ago. Like, so you sort of look at it and go like, well, I don't really need that log that off and it's the same with hunting gear I went through my hunting gear um I don't know a few months ago and you like if you hunt the similar areas like you're always going to take your best gear like you never go oh yeah I'm going for a trip today I'll take my I'll take my crappy jacket you're going to take your good one because it's your good jacket it works the best you know yeah. that it does the trick and um so you can hockle that stuff off too and you know, you give that stuff away, someone else can benefit from it and you're left with, left with a bit more room and less likely to stack it all in your pack when you go away. <laughs> or stack it in your garage or your cupboard or whatever. Yeah, well, that too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the thing about um about moving flats the other week. I was kind of like, oh, God, this is, this is such a pain. Like, what, what one thing that was on my mind was like, I used to have a house for all this stuff and it had a purpose, but then also, when it's in a box for for two moves, you go, oh, this is just mm. stuff now. <laughs> Haven't seen it for a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. What's in their box? Uh, mm. <laughs> do, do, do I need it? Yeah, I um, yeah, I came across a, a cricket bag a while ago, and it had like you know, nice bat, some, some gloves and stuff, and it was just like couldn't even think of the last time I even threw a tennis ball around a backyard cricket sort of thing. I was like, what the hell is that? Like, no, you just hold on to it because you like to, you know, it's like, oh, it's a memory or, you know, such and such. That's a part of my life. And it's like, take a photo of it. Yeah. Because then you can never look at it. Like, that's all you're doing anyway. Cause you're having a look at it every time you move it out of your shed or wherever it's going. Yeah, I've, got and more. I've got a backyard cricket set, eh? And it's yeah. it's literally I think it's still taped up. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a good one day, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, okay, so I've got my daughter now. She's you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean well that's probably a thing like there's there's things that you can sort of hand down and things like that, but I think knowing the difference is important. It's kind of it's yeah, like you say, it's one of those things knowing what you what you actually need is a is a strange thing to you've got to know what you're doing and what you want to be doing and things like that to actually know whether you can get rid of it as well. And I think mm. that's probably <laughs> half, half the problem. You know, you, if you're not confident in the push, you are going to take heaps of stuff because you're like, well, if I get stuck on this mountain, I'm going to have me tarp, me tent, me sleeping bag, my two PLBs in case the first one doesn't work. I've got this flare and, you know, like you're like, holy shit, mate, you got any music bars? Like, <laughs> you've got everything now. <laughs> um, and I used to be the same with food. You take maybe four kilos of food with you, and you're going for a day. Like, yeah. You know, you, it's when you don't, you're not sure if you're going to handle the situation, and you sort of lean into the gear a bit heavy, and it ends up causing you more grief, probably putting you in a 
you know, you're exhausted if you do get in a bad situation because you've been carrying so much crap. Yeah, I think there's that, that self-sovereignty, that self-sustainability, and, and, and it probably means self-confidence. And now it probably does take, you know, those, those are all interacting, you know, mm. but um, it probably does take a little bit of exposure and, and yeah, I don't know which one of those comes first. <laughs> I think, nah, I think that, it's down to the individual, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so. yeah what brings you confidence? What allows you to do the job? Yeah, yeah. yeah you've got to be sort of smart about it. Like I can understand why people people do it as well. You know, like if you are starting off and things like that, probably better to have too many clothes than not enough. Yeah, we're we're, we're, we're having that conversation in in Wanganui around around the the fire. Now we were staying in a house. It was on it was on a farm, but how mm. the how the conversation sort of come up? It was like, well, what do you guys take when you go tar hunting? And they were like, oh, twenty kgs. And I was like, what what? <laughs> I was like, yeah. what, have, what have you got in there? And they're like, this, this, and this. I was like, that's all you need. I was like, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. It comes with experience, eh? And you can learn all learning off other people if you're fortunate enough. And I think that goes back to what you were saying before about the hunting mentors. You know, you get someone who really knows their stuff, you can have a look and, you know, sit there and watch and go, what do you do? What do you have that, bro? Like, do you not have a. Do not take a puffer jacket, do not take this or whatever, you know, and you can understand their reasoning. Say so you haven't a thought of reasoning yourself sometimes, especially yeah. if you don't know what you're dealing with. Yeah, that um does even talking with again, going back to the jacket thing, um, talking with Justin Amor, he was saying about he took he took his puffer jacket with him down the West Coast, but his uh Gore-Tex jacket was that good that he said it's the first time he was dry and warm and he didn't need the puffer jacket. And he was like, Oh, do I need the puffer jacket? <laughs> I think I think around Cape you need the puffer jacket, but <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Eh? It's when you're not moving, eh, that's when it comes into its own. But if I think sometimes if you can get that windproof layer on or like uh, uh, jacket on over the top and keep that heat in a bit earlier, mm. um, you know, you can do without sometimes. Um I used to just sit there and wait till I got cold and then put my puffer jacket on, which is you know, you learn over time is probably not the correct order of events. <laughs> yeah, and the other other way around as well, isn't it? Start start cold and, and warm up, and mm. so that the only your your base layer is the only thing that's getting sweaty, or mm. and, and that's where breathability your jacket comes in as well. Hopefully, it's letting that sweat out. But and then, like I say, as soon as you stop, wrap up warm, and you and you'll be good. You maintain that heat. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's hard for some fellas, though, eh? Because like, I don't know about you, but like I sweat. I crack a sweat opening a beer sort of thing. Like if I put a, if, you know, just talking about it, it's making me sweaty. But um, if I crack a, put my, I've got a Stony Creek glaze knot, and if I wear that, then I crank up the hill, and it, I'll heat that thing up pretty fast, man, in yeah. my sweater. And, you know, you I must get still, sweaty. I got, the still, I got the still water until I washed it with washing powder. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> it breaks it. Um, yeah, and that, that was a bit the same. I, I was, yeah, and that one trip, I was wandering around with it on a bit, and yeah, getting wet on the inside, which was a bit of a bummer. But um, yeah, my my, my younger brother, he's a shocker eh, for, for for sweat. We were at the gym the other day doing nothing, nothing to exertion, and he's he's dripping his, his crack up. <laughs> yeah, I think it runs in certain families sometimes and things like that. My brother's about the same with dad. Um. Yeah, I can, but it's not a bad thing, eh? Like, 
being able to heat up quick is quite good, especially if you're going for a jog in the winter or something, you know, you yeah. get toasty quick. But I mean, you know, you can only expect a, a jacket to work so much or whatever, breathe so much. So, um, yeah, yeah okay. they, are, they are good though. Yeah, I found out on the weekend that I, I like, I'm a salty sweater. <laughs> and I always wondered why, <laughs> why, why, why I'd get cramp and things. And um, the big run I did on, on Saturday, I was sort of wearing compression tights and a, and a compression top. And then I was sort of sitting around the house afterwards and looking down and all there's all this white residue. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, no wonder I, 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 yeah. I sweat and love, love a bit of salt on, on everything. <laughs> Do you take those salt pills or anything if you're going to go running and hunting and stuff? That, that's, um, so I've been using um, the peak performance stuff of late. That tends yep. to go quite well, but definitely with this, this running, going to start getting some salt tabs and um, also going to start using the ketone salts, which um, nice. they're bound to chloride, magnesium, sodium, uh, and potassium so there's a bit of bit of extra salt in that but again i think i think when you're getting out to that longer range and sort of more lip zone to ketosis sort of state then you, you would really do need to optimize that salt salt intake yeah yeah it's a different level a you've got to, everything's got to be nicely tuned and things like that how far are you running uh so that on the Saturday that I got up to twenty six k's. Yeah. Um, I've got a deload week this week. Um, and the longest training run is going to be sixty. The race is one hundred and one. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting journey. Um, I've yeah. <laughs> I've booked into the osteopath. Yeah, I've booked into the <laughs> osteopath next week. So, that'll be good. One of one of my mates, Luke Taylor, that's been on this podcast a few times, messaged me. Um, Sunday morning, I had a video of me running up the mount. I was knackered. I was chafed. I was um, yeah, trying to video out the view as well, and, and so I've had surgery on my right hip, and, and my right leg was going on a funny ankle, <laughs> and so I said, I said to him, "Hopefully that was the worst of my biomechanics." But um, yeah, no, I booked in with the osteo to make sure I'm still still moving and straight out. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll see. Sorry, you go, mate. Sorry, bro. You go. Oh, I was going to say it's um, she must be a hard slog, like just you know. I've, I've run some medium distances and I'm sort of, I get around triple figures on well-fed weeks and um, man, like after, after big runs and stuff like I ache, like buggery and, yeah. you know, to, to get up to those distances, it just makes my hips just hurt just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what, you, that's what you said about that bloody elevation in the mechanic. Yeah, right, yeah, I was bloody much, oh, <laughs> Yeah, they were they were definitely sore. Putting putting the pack on, uh, it was a it, to walk back to the hut. Like there was only just under six k's, but man, it, like hundred meters in, I was going, oh, this wasn't such a good idea. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is good. Where, where does the swimming come from, man? Like why, why? Because <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't swim when I was younger. Um, I dodged. Uh, my parents put me through swimming lessons and like when I wrote the blog my dad came to me and he's like oh I didn't really we didn't realize you couldn't swim and I was like oh really but and that's that ego thing too because I wouldn't have talked about it to them but um probably felt bad for wasting their money on lessons <laughs> um but they they used to, I used to live in Taupo and um they put us through lessons when you know I knew swim at school and all that but as long as you could hold your breath and 
get to the other end day, you just get the tick and they're like, yep, Ryan's a confident swimmer, I've done a good job, um, job tidy. And yeah, you just, I I just hated it, sticking my head under the water and stuff like that. And um, so I just avoided swimming and like, I'd still go and swim with my mates, but I'd jump in some deep water and if I couldn't touch the bottom, then it was like panic stations. But of course mm-hmm. you're with the boys, so you're like, <laughs> inside you're just freaking out you know um, and we're like swimming in the Waikato River just you know and there's the control gates bridge there which you'd swim in front of and then there's hooker falls and you know meanwhile my brain's going like here's a list of all the places you could have a horrible death and then never mind the fact you could just drown here so I sort of got to the point where I was like I wanted to join the cop you know of course you've got to learn how to swim and I was like, oh, so, so. I was like, oh well, if I want to do this, I'm going to have to learn how to swim. So I decided I'd eventually teach myself, and um, so I went down to Jable Pools and got ready. And of course, like I'm six foot three-ish and quite a large chap, and you know, everyone tells you like, oh, you should be a good swimmer, like you know, like, yeah, well, I should be a good basketballer too, but if I, you should see me do that. <laughs> like, you know, and you're like, oh, you got, you know, like good reach and stuff, you should, you, you, know, you should be lots of things. But, so I go went, went there and I literally put my head down and started trying to go for it. And I came up in maybe 15 meters or maybe 10, I don't know, not very far, just splitting order. And you know, the last guy's looking at you and you're a tall fella in a very shallow pole, <laughs> you know, coughing up a bit of chlorine. and like, but eventually, you know, I got to a length and then I got a bit further and I sort of figured it out and, and I was like, okay, went in and then you have to do the um, treating water thing, which was fine because, you know, you're just sitting there. Actually, it's kind of, you know, that's one of the more peaceful parts of the test. You can sit there for five minutes and reflect on how you have been able to swim. So that was fine. But diving under three, I think, was it four metres or something like that, just put, used to put the shits out of me. And it's still kind of buzzed, to be honest. Like, I got this weird thing about deep water. I don't like having my heat underneath my feet, mm-hmm. things like that. You know, as soon as I upend, my body freaks out. And I'm like, what? I mean, just talking about it is giving me the shits. <laughs> it's, it's a strange thing. But then I have these conversations with people and my mates that, go diving and they're just like oh I went for a dive the other day the water was so clear and I was just going down grabbing a feet of power and got a couple of craves and mm-hmm. shot a couple of butters and I'm just like oh and you know it's, to me it sounds like hunting in the water and I'm like oh man I bet that's really good like the same fix that I get from being in the outdoors and you know that whole decompression and just walking the hills and you know coming across your deer and getting a bit of meat and things like that. I was like, I can do that in Wellington mm. right here. And like they're saying about opportunities. And I'm like, when here I am, like there's an opportunity right there. Are you going to go get it? And that's that whole, this is where the ego thing comes in because you're like, well, you know, you said you, said you were going to take make the most of good opportunities. Like you true to your word and you know, that comes down to a bit of accountability with yourself too, I guess, is you've got to have that talk and if you back out then you lose credibility with yourself and you lose that self-worth and you don't want to do things and the next time it's easier to, and you'll have it forming in a negative way. Mm-hmm. 
is you know, you're going backwards and you can sort of go like, oh, I can say no to that. Or fuck, I can say no to meeting up with my parents next weekend and I can say no to a hard day at work and stuff like that. And, you know, you can sort of, it's a slippery slope and it's different for everyone. It's, mm-hmm. But for me, I know myself and I know that it is a slippery slope. So I was like, right, well, I did the diving thing for the cops and that was panic stations and I managed to get down. I actually swam down to get this rubber brick that they throw in there. And they throw it in and they, I was like, um, oh yeah, and they go, no, 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 you wait till it touches the bottom. <laughs> to the bottom. And I swam down and like, I, don't, I mean, I don't know, I rode and I think like, I don't know how other people can see underwater. Like for me, it just looks like just blurry. And uh, so I swam down towards the dark thing. Like, I'm, and I didn't have a great set of lungs and um, it was the grate in the bottom of the pool and I touched it and I was just like, fuck. <laughs> so, um, and then I ended up, yeah, finding the brick and eventually and coming up a little bit red-faced and spluttering and stuff. Um, but that was that. And then I left it for a while because it was, I didn't end up joining the cops, but you could sort of distance yourself again from it. So, um, but then I've been doing running and outdoors. And again, like I said, we're talking to people um, who do diving. And I was like, right, well, I need to get over this thing with deep water mm. so that I can go enjoy the opportunity that's right there that you know they've got people that take me dive people that go diving offer and stuff and i was like maybe i think it gives me the shit so much maybe i'll just do a bit of open water swimming mm-hmm. so that's what i'm working up to now so i sort of traded in a bit of the running during the week for some swimming and um hoping in a month or so chuck on a wetsuit and um jump into the harbor and have a bit of a flap around, but we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, but because I, yeah, the whole being underwater, it looks awesome, but, you know, it's the dream versus reality is um, a different thing, you know, you've got to sort of train that, train your body and mind to sort of deal with it and all that, I guess. Yeah, no, it's, it's, again, I can relate to it which is, mm. is is the funniest thing because like in a pool mate i'm i'm totally sweet like i did competitive swimming played water polo um even you know my whole life uh, going to lake wanaka um there's a deep uh ledge just out from where we camp and getting, as soon as i got past that i'd always crap myself and there's mm. nothing and there's nothing in a lake <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. They predator free. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like it's the only time I think I think deep water, uh, deep open water, is about the only time that I understand irrational fear. Um, mm. And I in the lake, I can sort of kind of push myself through it. And, and like I said, I've had it. We go at surfing, but um, like where I was at Fongapoa, there's sort of a, a little island off the sh- off the shore and there's also uh between Fongapoa and new chums there's a nice point out there that, that's i guess the old king going and stuff around it and just yeah the the sort of mind is like how that'd be good to go snorkeling around or, or swim out to mm. but the body's just like no nah, don't do don't do that <laughs> the idea of it's nice eh? you're like yeah that seems like the go and then i mean it's and it's your story eh? like you watch other people do it and they're just like, bro, oh, you just jump in the water, 
it's awesome, it's beautiful. Up then go down and grab the plane and like, not like that for me. But then, of course, that's your, you know, you get a nice bit of humble pie because your ego gets a good hiding. And yeah. um, But you can see that gives you perspective, right? You get a bit of empathy for other people that you do things and you go, oh, bro, I go running 25Ks every week and you just start running. Yeah. But then, you know, you can see it and be like, oh, I can see how it'd be hard for other people. I can see how it wouldn't be as straightforward and things like that. And I think, you know, being able to overcome those kind of things is it's a powerful thing, mm. but it's it's also not always an easy thing. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mate, that's, <clears throat> that's bloody good. It's a powerful mm. thing, but not always an easy thing. I like that. Mm. Mate, um, so where, where do people find you? You've sort of got an Instagram page and, and a blog page set up. Um, where, do, where do people check it out? The two are linked, of course. Yeah, so I, um, I'm on Instagram with... Uh, called equilibrium environment i tried to pick as many syllables as i could for my handle which is <laughs> everyone could work out on their thumbs and um again on my web page that i've set up as equilibriumenvironment.com. so that that's where i usually hang out and um usually more active on my instagram and i just post sort of writing and a few few yarns and stuff on the on the website occasionally nice man so um you've listened to a couple of episodes what's uh something that doesn't do you wrong or, or continually shows up when things are going right and, and um, in flow. Uh, that was that was Morgan's good thing that didn't do her wrong last time is when things are in flow, she, she knows things are going well. What what sort of goes for you? Um, yeah, I think I think when you can, when things are going nice and you can actually sort of direct your attention to something that you're really enjoying and, and partake in it, um, in a way that you you don't have to be someone that you're not is, is a really mm. important thing. And I think being able to identify those things in your life um, lets you live a bit more authentically and you don't have to have that stress of fronting up to be someone you're not. Nice. Authenticity. That's beautiful, man. Well, you know, we've, we've chatted a couple of times on Messenger and uh, this has been a hell of a conversation. Um, pretty pretty random i just sort of said you earlier this evening what are you up to and we made it work which is which is bloody awesome yeah bro yeah all good and um yeah we'll, we'll have to take that a step further and catch up in person sometime and uh yeah that'll be bloody wicked awesome brother look forward to it catch you later on bloody awesome yes, mate. i'll press stop and uh hang down there beautiful authenticity <laughs> that's really cool and I agree with what he says about it takes the stress around having to show up and remember who you're showing up as. If you're always showing up as yourself, well, uh, you're really the only person that knows yourself. And uh, so you can feel good. You can flow. You can you can do it and you can achieve and resonate and all those wonderful things. Um, have the energy going in the right direction smoothly. No, that, that's um, a bit like bush books and banter authenticity is pretty simple concept um yeah it's a message that's across so many things like disney movies are often about being your true self um that's that's basically what, what things narrow down to often you know may, maybe it's uh, i think his name's joseph campbell 
the hero's journey. It's kind of about going out there, living your life, and, and that's what we were basically talking about, that 25-year-old male part. That's, that's a bit of hero's journey going on, um, being a hero, being humbled and coming back to your village or your people or yourself with the knowledge and um, from there being able to improve the world and hmm, mythology, it's interesting. Anyway, this podcast is brought to you by those ketone salts I was talking about in the podcast um, from Prove It, W-A-I-K-E-T-0.P-R-U-V-I-T-N-O-W.com is where you can find them. Um, that's in the show notes as are Ryan's note, uh, links and my own. Um, the Prove It website also gives you the opportunity to do the assisted fast, which is a 60-hour assisted fast with ketone salts, keto broth and keto teas, um, Sigma OS at night time to optimize the semi DNA repair and help with sleep, and then some keto protein to help you break the fast. Here's one of the things that Ryan and I didn't talk about, is uh, fasting. Yeah, he uses... Um, an app to help with his time-restricted feeding. Um, yeah, it's an interesting topic. It's an interesting way of life. Um, yesterday, I had lunch at 2, went through to breakfast, just for fun. Um, and it is an amazing little energy energy hack. I had a great sleep last night as well, which is another sort of idea around fasting. Um, we, we probably should have talked about that in the podcast. Anyway... If you need to look at fasting, go back to Megan Ramos. She's she's an absolute gem with the um, intensive dietary management is who she works for, and that's an assisted fasting um, team in Toronto. Um, they use fasting for type 2 diabetes, and in her own case, type 2 diabetes and PCOS. Um, yeah, there's maybe a case there for age-related macular degeneration, which is something I hope to explore one of these days i'll have to now won't i <laughs> use that ego to my advantage anyway that was such a good chat loved it hope you enjoyed it make sure you reach out to ryan and myself and uh, let us know what you thought um, of course all the links are in the show notes so check it out cheers <laughs>